Hey y'all, this is Mallory Irvin and it's time for all of us to live fully. It's so important in this crazy world of ours that we stay connected, inspired, and motivated to be and do our best. And that's not always easy. I'm here with my guests and friends to share the stories and lessons we've learned to help you live your best life every day and truly begin living fully. Let's make it happen and get started with today's episode. Guys, before we jump into this Jamie Kern Lima episode, I just wanted to do a little disclaimer. Because audio is so incredibly important to me, the audio was not up to par on my end in a couple spots, so I re-recorded some of the things that I said. I just wanted to give that little disclaimer. You guys probably wouldn't even notice, but if it feels a little disjointed in a couple places, that's why. But audio is so important to me, and this was such an amazing episode. I just had to have it perfect, so enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Living Fully Podcast. I have missed you guys while we have been off for the first few months of 2021. I'm so excited to be back recording these episodes, and boy, do I have an episode to kick off this season. Today, I'm bringing you this amazing conversation with Jamie Kern Lima. So she started It Cosmetics, which I'm actually wearing today, and she started this company in her living room and grew the company into the largest luxury makeup brand in the country. She sold the company to L'Oreal in a billion-dollar deal and became the first female CEO of a brand in its entire history. Uh, L'Oreal's that being. But these are the headlines. And what we're going to talk about today and what she talks about in this book called Believe It is the story behind the headlines. And that is the incredible piece of this story Um, and how she actually sold this billion dollar business. But despite all the self-doubt and body doubt and God doubt and how she was literally down to her last few dollars and got this 10 minute chance on QVC, it's literally the most incredible story and the most amazing tenacity and perseverance through years and years of hearing no from the beauty industry that eventually copied her. And you're going to hear so many amazing lessons from Jamie today in this conversation. And especially, oh, this whole take that she has on comparison, not being a distraction from your own mission. Uh, That's something that I put in my toolkit after reading this book and talking to her today. So without um, further ado, I bring you Jamie Kern Lima. So, okay, let's begin. Um, Wow, what an honor to have Jamie on with us today. Oh, hello. It's my honor. I'm so grateful to be here with you and your whole community. Thank you so much. This is a big moment, so I'm excited to share it with you. So, I am so excited for you to share this with us today, and you have just done about everything in the world that you could do under the umbrella of success, but this is your first book. First ever book. Yeah. Um, It's been a journey. You guys know that doing this podcast, I read a lot of books and I get to meet a lot of amazing people like Jamie, some of my true heroes and have these amazing conversations. But when I read this book, oh my gosh, I just have to take a moment and say, 
like, this is the book of the year, Jamie. And I'm laughing to myself because like my book comes out this year and I still say this is the book of the year. I think it's going to surprise a lot of people, right? Because I think, uh-huh. uh, well, and you know, and I, I would love to hear, you know, for you too, why you decided like, okay, I'm going to write a book. Um, for me, it was just, you know, when you Google my story, right? Because I think we're in this day and age where mm-hmm. we see everyone's highlight reel out there. And mm-hmm. when you Google my story, you see like, oh, Denny's waitress builds billion dollars. Exactly. <laughs> and I get so many messages from women on Instagram, like saying, oh, I have a dream too, but I'm not getting traction or I'm getting rejection or, you know, was it just easy for you or did it come easy or did you have connections? Mm-hmm. And I realized that if we never share the real stories behind the stories, then it just leaves everyone else feeling alone mm-hmm. and, and not enough, like in their own rejection or lack of traction. Or so this is the first time, Team Mallory, I'm, I'm sharing every, like everything for the yes. first time. Yes, <laughs> and you know, because you've read it, but yes. it's really a story of just you know going from a, like a girl who didn't believe in herself to learning how to believe in herself and not mm-hmm. trusting myself to learning how to hear my own t- intuition mm-hmm. and trusting it and kind of going from doubting I'm enough to knowing I'm enough. And, and I know it's not just my story. It's the story of so many other women um, and people out there. So I'm just, I'm excited. It's, it's an honor to share it with you. Thank you for sharing it with us today and for sharing it with the world and for bringing your story to the pages in this book. Um, and you touched on your story just now. And you're so right because you see these headlines like for female billion dollar business, L'Oreal. And what I love about this book is the entire book is about the middle and you just really go there and you tell us how you did all this. And it's just so amazing. And you know, a stat that I heard, I think it was on a podcast that you did that I thought was such a cool stat was you are one of five female CEOs in the entire history of the world who has built a billion dollar company that you started in your living room. I thought that was the coolest stat. <laughs> yeah, there's I a mean, small group of women, but but it, but it's growing. Whatever the, the number is at this second, I know it's growing. Um, and it's it's been a journey. You know, it was, mm-hmm. it was um, for anyone, you know, part of your community listening right now who's like in this season of setbacks or, or rejections or not seeing traction around them and like that self-doubt is starting to build. Uh, that's really what the first three years was of the journey of It Cosmetics. And nobody thought, like none of the experts thought it was going to be a success. And none of the retail stores uh, felt it was the right fit for them. And mm-hmm. and it was just this journey of, of, of learning how to believe uh, in myself and in this idea when, when it felt like no one else did. And mm-hmm. I think that... Um, I think that so many people do give up because they kind of start putting uh, self-doubt or other people's opinions or rejection or experts uh, all on a pedestal mm-hmm. and instead of their own knowing and yeah. their own calling. So true. So you're talking about this three-year story. So just for my listeners, um, how in the world do you tell this story in a nutshell? But I'm going to ask you to tell it in a nutshell. Um, but here's where I want to start. So you are a news anchor. You're in what you think is your dream job and you have this skin condition. And through this process of creating this product, you found a product that worked for your skin and you think, oh, I've got it. Okay. So she, so Jamie has this idea. She's going to tell us about this. 
But here's a funny piece of your story. You're on your honeymoon flight. You and your husband create a business plan for It Cosmetics. It was... um it was this journey where I thought I was in my dream job. Like, like I don't know, Mallory, about you, because you're doing this now. Um, when you were a little girl, did you ever imagine you'd be interviewing other people and sharing their stories? No. no. Really? Mm-mm. Okay. I, I, I wanted to sing country music, so mine was a little bit different. But once I got into the space, I did see that. So later, And you yes. saw it. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, well, I, you know, I used to sit in my living room as a little girl and watch Oprah, like, every mm-hmm. single day. And uh, it helped me believe that, you know, where I come from doesn't determine where I'm going. And I would just watch her, like, her and all the guests she would have on. And I was like, one day, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... I'm going to interview other people and Mm -hmm. share their stories. Like I just knew my whole life. And so I was working as a news anchor and I thought it was my dream job. And I had no interest or idea or anything about starting a beauty company. And, uh, and what happened was I went through this season of, uh, what I thought was a big setback at the time. Like I started getting this uh, skin condition called rosacea, Mm -hmm. uh, which for me, it it would show up in the form of like bright red sandpaper texture with all these bumps all over Mm -hmm. my, my cheeks mainly. And then sometimes my whole face, and I'd be anchoring the news uh, live, and I would hear uh, in my earpiece from my producer, there's something on your face. There's something on your face. You need to wipe it off. And I knew there wasn't anything I could wipe off. I knew, oh, gosh, the makeup's breaking up and the rosacea's coming through. And so I went through the season of like self-doubt, of thinking, am I going to get fired? <laughs> am I going to uh, lose viewers? Like all those thoughts of our inner critic. Um, and that's when I started trying all, all this makeup. And, and I, think, um, I think Joel Osteen says it best where it's like sometimes our, our biggest setbacks are, are really God's setups, oh, right? Yeah. For what we're, what we're, we just don't see it at the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When we're in the middle of it, we don't see it. We don't, it doesn't, it doesn't yes. feel like a setup. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was one of those moments and, and the more makeup I tried, I realized, oh my gosh, it doesn't work. Nothing would work for me. And then I realized like my whole life seeing makeup products and ads, all the women always have flawless skin. And I always, as a little girl, wanted to look like that. I got inspired to look like that. And they always kind of made me feel like I wasn't enough. And mm-hmm. I had this big epiphany kind of all at once where I was like, okay, if I could create a product that actually works for my skin, I bet it would help a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. And what if, what if I also then cast all types of women, women with perfect skin and women mm-hmm. with imperfect skin and all shapes and sizes and ages and all the stuff I had never seen in ads be called beautiful. What if I do that? I had this whole big idea. So then uh, I, <laughs> I decide, even though I know nobody in the beauty industry, I have no money because uh, being a journalist does not pay very mm-hmm. well <laughs> and uh, no connections. I'm like, I just had this knowing this, like I, every time I pray and get still about it, I was like, I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to do this. And it didn't make sense. And it was like this moment where I'm like, okay, uh, it was a lesson, I guess, too, that like sometimes knowing when to let go mm-hmm. of a dream is as important as knowing when to go after one. Because uh, I thought I was in my dream job, but I just kept having this feeling and I decided to trust it. Um, and so on my honeymoon flight to South Africa, uh, my husband and I wrote the business plan. 
uh, thinking that was a good idea, by the way, how to kick off a marriage with that much romance, <laughs> right? It's like, oh, what were we oh, thinking? Hey, I work with my husband, so I understand. You know. Business is romance, you know? Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. If you want to talk, I have never, it's so funny, Mallory. I've never shared that side of this. And like in this book, it's like, it's the first time because so many people, mm-hmm are like, oh, was it easy to run a company with your husband? And was it, right? And and I also, our very first, so we built over a thousand employees, but our very first employee that we could actually pay Mm -hmm. was one of my bridesmaids and a good Mm -hmm. friend of now over 20 years. And a lot of people will also say like, oh, don't hire friends or family. And so it was a journey. And I talk about all the ways we failed as well in the book and like the stuff I would do differently if I could go back, because I think it's really hard to start mm-hmm. um, with a partner or or even a friend or a family member and have yeah. that relationship survive. So uh, I love those stories. And I love that this book is just chock full of those. And they're stories of the middle. And you guys are like a lot of people, especially actually a lot of people now. Um, a lot of people in this day and age, due to all of our unforeseen 2020 circumstances may have found themselves accidental entrepreneurs. Maybe whatever they were doing before has gone under. Maybe they're working out of their home with more time on their hands, you know, whatever it is. So they're an entrepreneur and they may think like you thought in the beginning, well, I've created this amazing product. So that's it. All I got to do is figure out how to get a box for it and sell it. And it's going to be a huge success because that's what a lot of entrepreneurs think. It's like all about the idea. But what I love about your story is that it wasn't that. Like you had this amazing product, but you then began hearing three years of no's after you started bringing this product to the market. And thank goodness you stood by your product and you kept being persistent because this is such an amazing part of your story. And then you go to Sephora or you go to blank, 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 wherever it is, and you have three years of no's. So take us through that. Exactly what you just said to Mallory about how like I just thought I literally was just like the entrepreneur you're describing, right? Which is probably also just so many people. It's our human nature. I think before we go through this journey, I thought, oh, if I just create a product that works, it's going to sell. I thought it (laughs) And so, right. And so we poured every penny we had of our savings and uh, into, you know, the R&D, figuring out how do we get a formula and I thought, okay, uh, once we had something, which our, our big first formula was a concealer called Bye Bye mm-hmm, Under Eye. And I thought, mm-hmm. wow, this works for me. Like if, you know, this is going to be huge. And I didn't realize it's not that easy. Right. And, and, and <laughs> I mean, I share, you talk about the middle and I think this is so important for anyone who feels embarrassed about what they're going through or how humble or scrappy they're being. Uh, I just decided, let me pull back the curtain on all of it because I want everyone to understand like they're not alone in that space and their, their current circumstances do not reflect the potential of their idea, the potential of their dream, the potential of their impact, the potential of their calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I had let all of that stuff around me uh, determine that, I would have given up a long time ago. And and so, you know, we, we started in the living room and I didn't have any connections. So I hired the guy at the TV news station who made the graphics I love that, that go part up of the on story. the air. The murder right? graphics. The, map. the traffic <laughs> like the crime scene happened here. Map him. So I was like, "Do you know how to design 
packaging and he didn't, but he knew how to design. So I'm like, all right. So we would sit in my living room in the morning and it's like some of our first packaging is so awful. It's because I designed it because I didn't know what I was doing. And I was Googling like everything on FDA regulatory. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Labeling compliance. And, you know, I share stories in the book of, of, even just getting really scrappy and like using my, I couldn't afford to hire anybody. So using my middle name, uh, Marie, As Marie got her own email I address. I love that and part of the story. Like pitch PR. And so like if this were, if this were today, I would be emailing you and your show. Marie would be, Marie would be like, <laughs> Mallory, great news. Our founder is available for an interview. That's so awesome though. And uh, gosh, I just love your story. And while we're in the middle of your story, I want to ask you because in case there's an entrepreneur or somebody that's like, oh, I've got the amazing idea, or maybe they even have the product in their hands. When do you know that the knows me know And when are you like the Jamie Kern Lima of the world who's like, no, I believe in this product and in a complete transformation of the beauty industry. And these no's are not my no, and I'm going to keep going. But when do you know that the no's mean no? And when do they not? Yeah. So, you know, here, here's the thing I think that, and that's such, that's like the best, maybe the best question anyone's ever asked. Cause I think that is so, no, it's so powerful. Right. And I think here is, and and again, I did so many things wrong and I share all those in the book. Um, One of the things I did right was I learned how to get still. Um, And, and for me, that's how I hear God is just my, my intuition, my gut for other people. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be a faith thing. I think every one of us has this knowing inside. Um, But I learned how to get still and how to hear that gut. And, and I think this is such an important question because we're raised in a culture, right? Where everyone's like, just don't quit. Like that's the answer. Just Mm -hmm. don't quit. Don't quit. I actually don't believe that because I think. I don't either. Right. I, I think, I think that the victory is knowing when you're on the right path for the person you are called to be and the person mm. you're born to be. And, and sometimes, um, again, I guess back to what I shared earlier about like knowing when to give up on a dream is as important as, as knowing when to go after one. And the one thing I did right in this big journey, I think, because it was so many no's, hundreds of no's, and a lot of them were really painful no's, right? So mm-hmm. when we first created this, this product and I knew this is going to be so great and yeah, you know, we couldn't afford advertising. So we were we were staying alive for a three-year period without paying ourselves just based on word of mouth. So there'd be, you know, we were getting like two to three orders a day on our website mm. and people were loving the products. They started posting their own before and afters online and kind of spreading the word. Uh, but every time I went to a retail store and these were stores I loved to shop in, you yes. know, like when, right. When I was a Denny's waitress, I would save my tip money to buy, to go to a department store and buy yes. like a <laughs> Mac lipstick or Lancome <laughs> eyeliner. So when I was finally in these department stores or beauty ex, you know, beauty retailers, um, like Sephora and Ulta and QVC, which I love when I was finally pitching them my product and sending my product, I just thought, Oh, this is so good. This product, I believed in it so much. I just thought they're going to love it. Mm -hmm. And every time I would share the product or share my idea of how I wanted to use, you know, a different type of model and like redefine beauty, 
in the industry, uh, it was always a no, or your packaging isn't nice enough, or you need to change the type of model you use because women won't buy makeup from people that don't look so aspirational. They can never, ever hope to look that way. That's the only way to sell product is what I kept getting told from a lot of the stores. And uh, it was always your, it's a no, uh, you're not the right fit. And, um, and this was over and over and over. And so, you know, when we're hearing from everyone else, we're not the right fit. I remember. Especially professionals. I mean, that's what's hard too. So these are like the pros in the industry that are supposed to know. So, I mean, you've really got to have your feet on the ground when you're hearing no's from those types of people. And you're like, how do you keep your feet on the ground? And you say, I know every single other time it's been like that, but this time it's not. Yeah. Well, what I would do is I would, every time I checked in with my gut, right? Cause there were some painful no's. I mean, I talk about some of the really, mm. the no's that literally made me cry myself to sleep because of some of the stuff that, that, uh, the feedback I'd get. And every time that would happen, when I would check in with my gut, it kept saying, you're supposed to be doing this. Like you're supposed to be on the right track. Mm. And for me, and I talk a lot about that in Believe It in the book, is like, how do you get still and hear your own knowing? Because at the end of the day, I feel like so many of us, we have all these things that prevent us from hearing our own truth. We have oh, our own self-doubt, amen. right? Our own perfectionism yes. and all this crap that we, right? Right? I know for you, it's, I, I know. Yes. Um, <laughs> all this self-doubt we have, in, in my case, you know, and probably a lot, a lot of people's as well, experts not say, not believing in what we're doing. Um, no proof around us that our idea is going to be a success because for, for three years, we, we barely had sales, right? Yeah. So it was like, and then a lot of times we also have friends or family that love us and they mean so well, but they're like worried about us. They're like, mm-hmm. are you qualified for this? Are you sure you should have quit right. your job? Are you sure? Right. So you have all that and the noise can get mm-hmm. so loud that we end up not even being able to hear our own gut anymore. Uh, For a lot of people, they haven't heard it in a long time, if ever. And that noise gets so loud and I feel like we start to confuse it uh, and and basically get confused and almost like talk ourselves out of our our own truth. And I think so many people, yeah, I feel like we, it's so easy when we're in these hard times, when, when it's not going how we think it's supposed to go, to like literally just just stay in our comfort zone, which starts to chip away at our soul and, mm-hmm. and literally talk ourselves out of our own truth mm-hmm. and never become the person we're actually born to be. And so I feel like I feel like the victory isn't selling a company for a billion dollars or isn't, you know, how many people watch a podcast or read a book. It's like the victory is, is, is getting still and going, am I listening to my, myself and trusting myself and going with that? Um, and there were so many painful no's. I, I remember after two years, finally getting, uh, the head of QVC's beauty division, Mm -hmm. Alan Burns. And he said no, right? He said no. And here's the thing, like he's a visionary. He is, a legend and he's you know responsible for building this like multi-billion dollar beauty division of QVC, getting all the really cool department store brands to want to sell there. And I finally got him on the phone and I thought, oh my gosh, if he's gonna give me like seconds of his precious time, it's gonna be a yes, right? Yeah. And he got on the phone and he said, you know, we've reviewed your products with all the buyers and it's unanimous. It's a no, you're not the right fit for QVC or for our customers. Mm. And uh I that night I cried myself to sleep and I remember waking up the next morning, hoping it was a dream and then realizing it wasn't. And it was like, 
three days of, of this because I didn't know how we were, were going to stay in business. And I share the story um, in the book of how we eventually got a yes on QVC. Oh my gosh, that story. I get chills every time I think of that story. I teared up when I read that story. That was just such an amazing like aligning of God and the universe and, and everything. So you're at your wit's end. You have less than $1,000 in your bank account and you're at this trade show. And because you're such an awesome person and you give someone in front of you the time of day, even when you're distracted, you end up talking to the host of QVC at your table while your eyes are locked on the QVC like trade show booth across the way. And the stars align, you get a meeting and you get a chance. Oh, I just literally like when I read that, when I read that, Jamie, it gave me full body chills and like I teared up. That was just such an incredible chance. So you got this chance and this is like your 10 minute make or break moment. Um, And I mean, had you not pulled this off in these 10 minutes, this from what I read in the book, this would have been it, right? You would have been truly done after this. Yeah. We would have been completely out of business. Yeah. We got one shot. I won't give it all Mm. away to you, but we got, we had one shot in this 10 minute window. Um, and you know, we were just selling two to three orders a day. So I learned we had to sell over 6,000 units of the concealer (laughs) in this 10 minute window and not come back. And it was an experience and a moment where it kind of all came down to one shot. And it was, uh, one of my biggest life and business lessons really ever as it pertains to just the power of authenticity and the power of putting our own uh, truth and our own calling on a pedestal instead of, (laughs) instead of, um, you know, what the experts are saying when it doesn't feel right to us. And uh, so, yeah, it was, it was one of the craziest moments in, in my whole journey. And we'd hired, um, when we finally got this one shot, we'd hired outside consultants that are mm-hmm. awesome. And they help so many people sell their products on television and in stores. And they were all telling me, okay, you got one shot, you got one shot. And if you, you know, want to have your best shot at success, here's what you need to do. Mm-hmm. You need to use models with perfect skin and everything that I'd seen in ads growing up. And it was so tough, Mallory, because I was—I I flew out a week early to QVC. I love this part of the story. So you visualize in a parking lot, and I love this part of your story because I do the same thing. Do you uh, do the same thing? Oh yes. People think that like Jesus and visualization cannot exist in the same brain, and I'm like, what did he say? He gave us this power. Like asking, you shall receive. I think that there can be this beautiful hybrid of the two, and I love it. And at the end of the day. You visualized exactly how it was going to go, and they let you use those models. You used all these amazing models of all ages and all skin tones, and um, and it and it worked out for you. And obviously, um, here in 2021, and with the past year that we've had, everyone is a lot more tuned into diversity and inclusion. But you, I mean, you did it from day one, and. I just feel like that's got to be some of the reason that you succeeded too, because real women are like, finally. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. And yeah. And I just, you know, I am so, just to hear you say that, by the way, and just to sit in this moment with you right now and know 
how far the beauty industry has come is is great. And we're not there yet, but but I'm I hope I helped it in some way because oh. it was an interesting journey hearing from just years of no. Mm-hmm. And then that one shot on QVC, yeah, QVC was super supportive. They're like, do you do whatever you want to do? Um, it was the outside consultants that were like, no, you know, here, if you want a chance, here's what you need to do. And mm-hmm. it came down to it. And we only had 10 minutes, right? And it's live. QVC's live mm-hmm. broadcast to 100 million homes. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I learned, Mallory, that I didn't know is we go out there live in that 10 minutes and I found out if you're not doing well, like a minute or two in, mm-hmm. your time gets cut live. Mm-hmm. And so, and if we, anything that didn't sell, we'd get shipped back to us and we would have, we would have gone bankrupt. And so mm-hmm. everything was on the line. And I sat in that rental car praying and crying and, and, and just asking God to take it from me because it felt so heavy. Um, but every time I would just listen to my, like that, that feeling, that still small voice, I just knew what I was supposed to do. And it kind of, there was this big moment in the car where I was sitting there all alone in a rental car in the parking lot for a week outside of the QVC building. And I just had this moment where I realized like, oh my gosh, if, if, you know, and I would imagine different women across the country, like Mm -hmm. turning on the television and seeing QVC. And I would imagine if I am blessed enough to have, you know, somebody's attention for three seconds, what is it that I want to happen? And the answer wasn't, I want to sell product. It actually wasn't, right? It was like, okay, this is my one shot. And I kept imagining, I don't know why, but a single mom in Nebraska, like folding laundry, who was too busy to even remember that she's beautiful and that she matters and all those things. And I just decided if she was going to turn her TV on for three seconds, I'd rather have her see me showing my rosacea, showing all these different women that look like her and calling them beautiful and meaning it. Mm -hmm. And I'd rather have her see that and be reminded that she's beautiful and not buy anything Mm -hmm. than like show a bunch of, you know, like flawless skin and, and stand for nothing. What was that prayer that you said? I think like Joel Olstein gave it to you or something. Um, you said something like when they turn on the TV, when they turn me on, I don't want them to be able to turn me off and I want them to see God through me or something like that. I was like, what an amazing prayer. Isn't that good? Well, so, so after, so when, so when the 10 minute mark hit and I showed my rosacea and we showed real women, it was, it got down to the, like the last minute and the host is like the deep shade sold out, the tan shade Mm -hmm. is selling out. And I was like, and then the, the last minute, the 10 minute mark, the sold out sign (laughs) came up and I start crying and I'm like, real women is spoken. And my husband comes <laughs> running through the double doors what of the QVC. Say? He was like, we're not going bankrupt. Yeah. I'm all emotional, like real women. And he's like, we're not going bankrupt. And he's like all happy. And, uh, and he cried though. He did cry. But yes, that prayer you just mentioned. So that, so that one shot that we had turned into five, um, airings that year and then 101 the year after. And then eventually we did 250 live shows a year. Um, and we built the largest beauty brand in QVC's Mm. history. And it is right now at this moment to this day. And, uh, and, and in doing this, this journey, right, there's a lot I did wrong. I talk about hundred hour weeks and all the stuff that I don't think I needed to have done. Uh, but I almost couldn't believe my success was happening mm-hmm. after so many years of rejection. And but anyhow, in all of those years of doing all these shows, I that's isn't it funny how you hear someone else say something and it plants a seed in us. Mm-hmm. And so one true. day I heard, um, yeah, I heard Jolistine say um, say that he prays, you know, before his his broadcast that when people turn him on, like flipping the channel, they can't turn him off, and mm-hmm. that he they connect to God through him. And anyways. 
I never, in all the years of QVC, I never prayed for sales or that we hit a big goal or something like that because honestly, that wasn't enough to keep me motivated because I was so tired. Because <laughs> it was like, you like live 24 hours a day. So you yeah. have a 3 a.m. show, mm-hmm. a 7 a.m. show, a noon show. Mm-hmm. But I would pray that Joel Osteen prayer. Um, and, and, and I'd also pray the prayer, you know, God use me somehow. Mm-hmm. Like it was never about, oh, let me sell. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, can I, you know, somehow. And I think you do this every single day. Oh, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. Can, I, can, I, can I be a light in someone else's life? Mm-hmm. Like God used me. And mm-hmm. I think when we have, you know, I talk in the book a lot about building this toolbox, this imaginary toolbox to pull from mm-hmm. on days when we're starting to self, you know, to doubt ourselves or feel not enough or feel tired or any of those things. And, and those prayers are in that toolbox. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that, that toolbox analogy is so powerful. And I mean, I read the whole book and, and you're amazing and your story is amazing. And speaking of toolboxes though, because I want to end with two tools that I now have in my toolbox, having read this book. And something that really hit home for me was the way that you talk about comparison being a distraction. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is a game changer for me. So for me, I don't necessarily compare myself and be like, oh, I wish I could be like her. But I get distracted. And when I get distracted, I get distracted from my mission. Um, I can be watching someone else and I'll be like, oh, that's really cool how she does that. Maybe I should do that. And it's like, off my path. So that was one tool that was so powerful for me. And here's another tool that I now have in my toolbox. And it has to do with the way that you talked about this in your own story. And you explained about when someone is trying to copy your ideas or someone's trying to like emulate you in the same space, because you have this incredible piece of your story where you guys were just starting out and all of these beauty industries and one, I think was like the biggest uh, beauty manufacturer or something like that. They went to your manufacturer and paid them to get your exact formula and how you weren't in a position to fight it legally or to push back. And you were so upset Um, But you didn't get distracted by that. And you just said, I'm going to stick to my mission. I'm going to power forward. And in fact, when they came out with a product that was almost the exact same as your formula, it didn't do as well. And I thought that was a really interesting piece. And then the other piece that was just so powerful to me was when all of the other people in the beauty space around you that said, no way, we're not using real women. We're not using older women. We're not using different skin tones. When they started seeing your success and started emulating that in their own business, you, instead of being like, see, we did it first. And instead of telling all these stories of, hey, these people told me this would never work. And I pushed against them for years and years and years. You said, you know what? This is my mission. And I'm happy now that everyone's copying me and acting like they thought of it themselves. I thought, what a powerful message and what a powerful testament to being true to yourself and to the mission versus numbers and your own success and beating everyone and being competitive. That was really powerful. And those two tools on comparison, not distracting you, and on kind of like staying true to your mission and just seeing your own path ahead. Those are two tools now that are in my toolbox. I think that this uh, whole idea of comparison and of embracing who we authentically are, I think can either be a cage 
or it could be the most freeing thing in the world. Mm. And two things just to share on that, because I, you know, went through this season of starting to get success and dealing with mean girls. And it was wild as an adult woman (laughs) to deal with mean girls. As a grown woman. Mm -hmm. As a grown woman. And I talk about it in the book and I talk about this huge realization I came to, which is that we're not here to compete with anyone else. Like literally no one else is our competition. No other woman, no other person in our field of business that I believe there, I believe we're not here to compete with anyone else. I believe we're only here to compete with who we know God made us capable of being. And I believe that. And I believe that what anyone else is doing, even if it seems like, oh, they're in, they're a competitor doing so much better. I literally believe it's so irrelevant to my own journey. Hmm. Um, and, you know, two things to share on this. So one is business and then one is, is personal. But on the business side, uh, if I look back at like how did it cosmetics enter this crazy crowded beauty space with like millions of beauty companies, yeah. right? And it's like impossible to break in. And how did we actually break in? And then right now, as we're talking, Mallory, literally, it cosmetics has become now the largest luxury makeup company in the country. Um, and so wow. all the brands I used to buy with my Denny's tip money are now <laughs> larger than them, which is crazy. Just wow. Think about like how did it happen? As we grew and grew and grew, uh, my my team would get so sick of me saying this to the point where they could probably just repeat it in their sleep. Um, but I would say over and over because they'd come to me with like, "Oh, this competitor's launching this product," or "Oh, look what they got in the big Sephora windows. We didn't get windows," or all the stuff, right? All the competitive mm-hmm. data. And I would say this over and over. I would say like our biggest threat to our business is is not what our competition's doing. It's if we get distracted by it and actually get tempted to dilute our own secret sauce. Like Man. that's the biggest. And I'd say it over and over and over. And I think that, you know, even in this journey of retailers telling me change this about your packaging or change that or, you know, all the advice, sometimes it's right and sometimes it's so valuable. But I would really check in with my gut and be like, does that feel authentic to to our brand or to our Mm -hmm. mission? And I had to learn to be okay uh, not being a people pleaser. And that was really hard for me. Um, But, you know, when when retailers finally said yes to us, I had wanted a yes for so many years. And then when they'd ask us to do like a new trend that was hot and create a big glitter artistry palette around it. Those are awesome. And there's brands that do those so well, but like that wasn't our brand. Mm -hmm. And I would have to say no and upset people and just stick to that authenticity. And that's the second thing I want to share is, is a personal thing. Cause I think like all of us are prone to this, whether we have any interest in business or not, whether so true, especially with social media. Mm -hmm. Yes. With social media, it's, we're so prone to this. And, and I, you know, there's so many researchers that Brene Brown, so many others that, mm-hmm. that have talked about how in all their research, they find that it's impossible for us to have a connection with another human being unless we show up fully authentically. Right. And that could be another human being could mean our community on social mm-hmm. media. It could mean our customers. It could mean our friends and family and partner. 
But what so many of us do is we get so distracted by what's going on. We compare ourselves. We get tempted to change ourselves or show up as a different version, almost like our own representative. Mm -hmm. And the problem is if we change who we authentically are, and it's something that's different from our truth, right? It's okay to grow, of course, but it's still true to you. But if we're distracted by what so-and-so is doing online and we're tempted to change how we show up or how we post or how we speak, we're literally just raising our hand for failure because mm. it's impossible to have an authentic connection with our community, with our customers, with the people in our lives if we're showing up as our representative. And Ooh. so what's cool about this is it's like when we realize this, it's so freaking freeing because, I mean, I mean, not to use you as, as an example, but you show all the parts the great parts, the, parts. <laughs> the messy parts, the right, and it's mm-hmm. why people love you and connect with well, you and are you. able to have their life impacted by you. Because if you didn't, if you didn't do that, it, it, you, most people don't even realize this, but they create this invisible barrier yes. of disconnection. And when we realize this, we it, the thing I love personally for every every single person in your community listening is whether it's someone who is feeling like they're struggling as a mom and they're comparing themselves to other moms or their kid to other kids or their ideas to someone that already launched that idea or whatever it is, right? This lesson and this idea and this thought that I'm so passionate about, which is which is authenticity alone doesn't guarantee success, mm. but inauthenticity guarantees failure, when we get that, yeah. it is so freeing because we don't have that pressure anymore on us of what someone else is doing. Because the second mm-hmm. we start worrying about what someone else is doing, we're raising our hand to fail. Like it's like it, it, it and it's so freeing. good. It's free. What a way to end uh, this podcast. I mean, gosh, I just, of course, you succeeded after talking to you all this time and just and listening to you on podcasts and reading this book. Of course you succeeded. You are just the real deal. And I'm telling you, the tools that you share in this book, they're really going to move the needle for people. And I so appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and my community and just for taking the time to write this book. Um, It's going to change people's lives. So thank you. Thank you. It is an honor. I'm so excited. I can't wait to hear what everyone thinks. It's awesome. the best work I've ever done and the most fulfilling because I know it's not about me. It's about when we really share our stuff together. We all, like we're all in this together. You know what it's I mean? So true. It's so true. It is. It's so true. And I'm going to link everywhere that you can find Jamie Kern Lima in the description of this podcast. Of course, where you can buy uh, this amazing book and you guys should follow along with Jamie. Um, she is so inspirational in this book, but also just in everyday life and the way that she shows up online. So, um, I so appreciate you, Jamie, and we will talk again soon. Thank yes, you. anytime. And I am excited for your book too. I well, cannot thank wait. You. Thank I you. cannot You're wait. So sweet. Let's um, have two books of the year. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Yes. <laughs> two books of the year. Um, so thank you for saying that and thank you again for doing this podcast and we will talk soon thanks for joining us on Living Fully with Mallory Irvin and remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single minute of encouragement and inspiration to live your best life want more? 
Join us on MalloryIrvin.com so we can connect with you on Instagram and YouTube. Start living your life now. You've only got one. We'll see you next time.